Episode 64 with Golden Bear and Josiah, Moped Outlaws. That was fucking raw. That was good. Yeah, we just decided to do that last minute. Yeah, I'd say we could do more of that if you wanted. All right. When the mood strikes, we'll do it, but we're not going to contrive anything. All right. So uh, today is about blowing people's brains out. Yes. I don't like Mondays. Yep. The only reason I like Mondays is because of this podcast. (laughs) Hey, yeah. I didn't even think about that little twist to the whole thing. Twisted. That's why I'm here. So, um, and we listened to Ticken, which you didn't like, which brought me to tears. But you didn't like it. You're like, well, that's not one of Alton's better ones. I liked that he wrote something that wasn't contrived and was about a subject and that but it didn't it didn't really move me. Right. Like I think the the kinks I don't like Mondays, right? That's who did no, it. Boomtown rats. Boomtown rats. Galadolf. I know, Galadolf. right? Jesus Christ. I think that song really moves me. You know, right. I can feel the emotional content there. I couldn't really feel anything with Elton's song. Wow, that's wild. Because I feel it's stronger with Elton's, though I love Don't Like Mondays just as much. And you know what's interesting is uh, I Don't Like Mondays was written about an incident that happened in San Diego Elementary School. Wow. So it seems like the United States, I don't know, you know, I haven't really done a lot of research into it, but it seems like the United States leads the world in countries with raw massacres, you know, like. I think that's pretty well understood that we're the most like violence prevalent. I mean, unless you want to look at things like the conflict in Tigray and uh, Ethiopia. I mean, there's this out and out war. Right. Which is different. As far as society pretending to operate as if there's no problem and then people shooting each other. That's us for sure. Yeah. And, and particularly an individual shooting into a crowd. That's really what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. Mass shooting, which is interesting. Mass, like, you know, you're going to church worshiping worshiping shooting mass shooting well and i mean recently i've there've been some events where two or three people got shot and they called it a mass shooting and i'm like 
that's not a mass shooting. That's like two people, two, three people. And I'm, I know I'm splitting body parts here, but the idea is mass shooting is where you got like 10 or more people. So 10 or more. So if there's nine people, that's just like a little incident. As soon as you're oh, well, an incident, it's a tragedy. <laughs> A little tragedy, though. It's Am not I allowed shooting. to make fun of mass murder? No. Well, is we are. Here? We're, we're, that's what we're doing today, is we're making fun of mass murder. Oh, God. Yeah. How do I let you rope me into this? Your, this was your <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just complaining about how easily the media calls things mass murder. I don't, I'm not minimizing how um, significant it is. Even when one person is, is killed, um, you know, senselessly. Well, as if anyone's ever gets killed sense fully. I mean, when you think about it, but was it, what is it about us that like, there's something where going into a school or going into a supermarket and, Shooting people seems like the right idea. I was thinking about this on the walk this morning. I think it is a feeling of helplessness, being trapped, not heard, not seen, and just the rage just starts going. And I was thinking about, so there's this one project I have, and there's a group, I think they're in Germany, and they're part of this project. And I've reached out to them a couple of times, like, hey, you know, like to work together, get accomplish a goal together. And what I'm getting back is, you know, we can't do, you know, I'm not getting that team thing. I'm getting more like you're wrong and we can't do that. And we do it this way. And um, does that make you feel trapped? And yeah, angry. it makes me fucking trapped and angry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, I, fu- I stopped short of wanting to shoot them. Like, when I think, do I want to shoot them? No, I don't want to shoot them, but I want to slap the fuck out of them. Yeah. Maybe Which there's a bright side to the fentanyl uh, epidemic. Yeah. More people that feel trapped and want to shoot people that are just taking fentanyl instead. Dying off. Darwin's there. It, but that's what I think, you know. It's interesting. Let's see here. Did you do any research into um, nope. Brenda Ann Spencer? <laughs> no. Nope. So here's the thing. When she was interviewed, so she was 16 and shot up in elementary school in 1979. So this isn't a new thing. In San Diego. Yeah, San Diego. <laughs> so the, the I don't like Mondays. What I, From what I recall with Geldof is when she was interviewed, like, why did you do this? She said, I don't like Mondays. Right. It never even occurs to her to have a reason or well, that there's actually any awareness of what she's done. See, I think that was her just not diving into it. And and that's just a cover up to a whole lot of shit that's going on. For her, you mean? Yes. Yeah. Right. And if she could articulate it, she'd probably go talk to a psychotherapist instead of shooting the place up. Right. If she could right. actually. And in the song, it says, and daddy never, you know, he said she was good as gold. So, like, here's all these people. And it, that reminds me of my mom. Like, I had a conversation with her, I don't know, 
20 years ago, which I know you kids, that seems like I was, what, an infant? No, I was an adult. <clears throat> when you're old and in the way, 20 years ago is not that big. Anyway. And she was like, I didn't know you were getting high and drinking in high school. And I was like, how could you not? There were bottles in my windowsill. There was a bond, you know, like you knew, but you weren't paying attention, I guess. Well, and sometimes when we tell someone they're a golden girl or whatever, there's no option for them to be able to... uh, give voice to their darker aspects. And so they are trying to live up to this reputation or this expectation we've set for them. And they have no room for the subtle darkness that shows up in their life and they, they can't deal with it and they don't want to be ashamed that, you know, we create all of this tension and um, ridicule about those darker aspects of ourselves. And so no one will come forward with it. It's, it's just too, it's too much really to, and so it just gets builds up and it builds up and it builds up. And then, you know, we shoot people. Well, I would like to think that there's a better option than that. Well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, the dad son. I really think there's a better option than that. I know you asked well, for an AK 47. Let's expand this a little bit. Like right now, there's a whole lot of MAGA hat wearers who think that the idea is to, that we need to fight each other. So there's a layer to this that's beyond just the individual who wants to go shoot up a church or shoot up a school or shoot up a grocery store. There's literally people who think that the answer to their problems is that we should all get together with guns and go kill those other people because they don't think like us. Is it right? Well, and it's the like same that, shadow. That Josiah son um, breaks shit. Like I was thinking about that too, how anger it does break things. Like even like if I, I know if I say something in anger, I'm very likely to break something like a trust in a relationship or something. And I was thinking the health of that might be that something does need to break because it's gotten old and dead. There's no, the life has gone out of it. So you break it. And then as it heals and comes back together, it's renewed. That's new life. Well, there's a utility to anger. There's an actual thing about anger that we need to express as humans. But in our culture, we have this whole thing about not allow, being allowed to be angry. And so we're supposed to keep it in check or control it. And then it eventually breaks through. And if we had a better understanding or a better social context for how to actually own our anger and, and be with it and allow it and then release it, then, you know, we might not have as many murders. The other thing that just trips me out about this is the oppressed peoples aren't in our society, aren't the ones doing this. Like you would think the descendants of slaves and the the BIPOC people who've suffered through so much in our culture, they're not the mass murderers. It's not the black Panthers running around shooting up whitey, right? It's, it's typically white middle class or, or lower men, boys who do this stuff. And there's something about that. I think that we need to understand. Well, I do wonder, like earlier you brought up the thing about our shadow and like, I think what I heard or what I took, what I thought of is that kids want their shadow acknowledged. 
there's this show I love on Netflix called Ex- The Extraordinary Attorney Wu. It's a Korean wow. show. It's awesome. And um, just the recent episode I saw, there's a young boy who's the son of a very wealthy, powerful mother. And he does something wrong, and he um, turns himself in, in essence, because he wants to be punished. He doesn't want to be a privileged, rich person who never gets in trouble when they do something bad. He he wants to do right, and he, you know, so... I wonder if, like you mentioned, how it's predominantly the privileged class of the United States wreaking havoc in a mass shooting. If there's trouble brewing and it's never acknowledged, it's just sort of passed over. So there's no outlet for that shadow. Yeah. Well, and if you look at child psychology, which isn't the same as mass murder, I mean, we're let's kind of going everywhere all at once, but oftentimes a young person or a child who is acting out, what they really want is to feel safe and have limits and have there be really clear boundaries around what they're supposed to be doing and, and direction that comes from that. So how does that work when ultimately, th- I think our essence, we want freedom, we want no boundaries. Well, I'm not sh- exactly sure that's true. It is for me. Well, in childhood development, the need for feeling a container or feeling a sense of boundaries, limits, helps us identify and, and figure out how to be, Right what our, our value systems are. Right. And so that's different than freedom in the sense that the freedom to do the freedom to act from your will, right. Which is what you're talking about. Well, and I think ultimately we want knowledge to choose wisely and the freedom to choose at all times. Well, that freedom that leads us to have consequences is what gives us the wisdom to know how to choose wisely later. So, right. you know, this is just, there's no way to rationalize or try to, to come up with anything that makes sense around why people commit mass murder. It just, something's broken in them. They don't understand the impact of what they're doing. Or if they do, it's a sociopathic level of it. Or I don't think they do. I don't think I could truly understand the impact of me going into a school and shooting it up. I don't, you know, like if I sit here and I picture myself going to Tam High and shooting it up, there's an immense amount of sadness to that imagined scenario. Well, but if I take the next step where I'm really doing it, I'm not letting that like stop gap there. Stop me. I'm going to really do it. Then there's an immense amount of energy and, and it's not about anyone else. It's just about havoc.
I'm going to have to smudge this room when we're done. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you, bitch, and the cut that you came with. Wow. Yeah. Um, I don't think people who do this can actually feel themselves. I agree. People say it's a cry for help. I mean, whatever that means. I'm not sure. I think the cry for help comes way, way before that. I agree. Yeah. The and cry so, for help has went into an empty room. Right. And so that's why I sort of got in touch with, well, there were no boundaries. That that person didn't feel the loving limits of a familial container, of a social container. I guess there's a differentiation and for me just came up because of what you just said of freedom and being seen. Like I want to be free. I also want to be seen. If I go to my parents with trouble or I'm acting out and there's nothing, it's an empty room. Like I I want, you're going to escalate until finally someone pays attention. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it works. I wonder if that's like last week we were talking about madness. And um, I wonder if there's an element of reality to that, like a person who goes mad is seeking something they're not getting. And uh, that doesn't quite work. That's a dead end road. (laughs) Well, I think there's the point you're making is that we want to impose this idea of thoughtfulness and logic upon these situations where what's actually missing is the capacity for that. Right. And by definition, madness and committing mass murder are they're mentally ill. There's no reason isn't happening in the way we would like it to there. That's functionally um, broken. Right. right. A natural process is broken. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, to try and come to terms with it in ways that are like, well, if only they had more freedom or if they knew or it, it, that that's inapplicable because they're there's they don't have that capacity at that so, point. So. Um, and it's oh different mass murder, right? Everyone's different. So we can't really nail it all down into a neat package. Right. So part of the lyrics of I Don't Like Mondays is the silicone chip inside her head got switched to overload. Right. It brings me to that element of our brain and our thought system, like how it works. And we know chemicals impact it. And we know there's sections of the brain that change character and action. Because, you know, there's instances where someone had an injury, a brain injury, and it changed who they were. And there's even the like the documented cases of um, split personalities where their eye color changes and their hair color changes with the different personalities. I don't believe you. Well, all right. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So where do we go with that? Like what we have is brains, brains that don't work right. Right. And in the sense of working right, meaning what we want that to mean, which is that we don't kill each other in a massive way. Right. Oh, my God. You just brought up something. What if mass murders like a mass shooting is actually natural in the world that we live in? 
you know, just like a praying mantis bites off her mate's head, right? Well, natural. I mean, we have evidence that it's natural because it happens. Right. That's what I mean. Like, what if someone from a different planet, they were studying humanity and just the way we sort of matter of factly say, yeah, the pretty mantis, she, you know, mates and then bites off the head of her mate. And we just say, that, like, yeah, that's how that is. That's natural. Yeah. Periodically, every 40 years, human beings kill each other in massive scale. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and as part of that, there are sometimes smaller units that decide to go off all on their own with no apparent provocation or reason and, and enact the killing mode. mode yeah, mode. and according to Dr. Went, we have this one small little category where if it's under 10 people, then it's just a small incident. We have a few of those that happen periodically. Well, just using a curve. <laughs> Grading on a curve. Oh, that's kind of a wild thought, though, to think like, okay, you know. I mean, this is one of those episodes that 12 years from now, when someone brings it up in conversation, I'm going to feel really bad. So ah. I'm just telling you right now, if you're using this, just don't bother t- talking to me about it. Uh, and I'm, I, if I'm actually alive 12 years from now, I'll be almost 72 and, and I'm, that's okay. Like, great. But um, <clears throat> reality, this should not be happening. Right. There's no need for this. There's no nature tends to seem as if it has a checks and balances and it works in a balanced way. And I think what this tells us is that our sociological fabric has become so disconnected from nature that we're actually out of integrity with evolution and we're outside the the comforting of the mother. Right. And that if. Because I don't, I don't know of any other historical events like this that predate industrial civilization. I don't know of any times in the past where someone has, you know, gone ape. And it's funny that I use well, that term, gone ape. Wait, yeah. Oh, you check yourself. You check yourself. Um, There, that well, it points to something. There's a part of our brain that is that attacking killer instinct, right? And yeah, I use because we know there's been rogue, um, what do you call it? The Japanese the samurai, rogue samurais who would rape and pillage towns, and um, in a way, wasn't Genghis Khan like he had an army, but he himself did quite a lot of mass shooting. <laughs> Well, they didn't have guns, but right, right. But you know what I mean? Like he himself was responsible for quite a number of deaths. Well, and there's this thing, and I think men have more access to it at a, like, like it's easier to get to that first layer of it. Um, the marauder in us, the killer in us, the, uh, that super aggressive dynamic part of ourselves. And when you started saying, thinking, talking about um, Genghis Khan, I was like, Oh Yeah. Like one of the things I'm doing in my life is looking into my own indigenous roots. And I romanticize that they go back to the Viking age. And then I realize, well, the Vikings were brutal assholes who killed and raped and stole shit from people. And, and they're, you know, they had these rituals with these deities and gods that were pretty brutal, you know? And I'm like, well, that's it. Nature is violent. Nature is not you know, unicorn right. rainbows and um, 
you know, chocolate farts. Which is why I think that when the scenario from the Bible of the lamb lies down with the lion, that's in essence saying that things have evolved to a state where nature is no longer violent. Well, Christianity is one of the most violent things that ever happened to our culture. Well, I don't know if you could say Christianity, Catholicism, like the religion of the, the you know, the, what do you call it? Crusades and all that chaos, witch burnings, that was definitely part of Christian Catholic. I wouldn't say Christian because here, like when I say Christian, I think of someone who's truly following the, the teachings of Jesus, whether that was a real individual or not, which ultimately is love your neighbor and the good Samaritan, you know, like there is no enemy. I think part of the turn the other cheek thing was to show that you can't hurt me. I'm of God. You can't hurt me. And, you know, just like I believe that part of the process of the crucifixion, the torture and the chaos was like, there is nothing you can do to me that's going to diminish my being a son of God and loving you. What I'm referring to is how mob mentalities were created by that culture to enforce the values of Christianity against anything that didn't adhere to it. And that they used then violence to create compliance with that. And they, they did it. There's just so many examples of it. And it's so interesting because you can see it now in American culture in the the way that a lot of supposed Christians conservative Christians have very violent rhetoric and very um, aggressive tactics Jesus wants me to storm the capital <laughs> right and uh, you know I'm painting with a broad brush so you know if I sat down with someone who identified that way, I could find their humanity in our conversation and we could find a way to, to what I'll call spiritual harmony in that conversation. But I, that when we look at history, we, I mean, there's a couple examples, the witch hunts, the, the Salem trials, the, um, crusades. the crusades, the uh, inquisition right? even, um, of Alexandria. Even chattel slavery here in the United States and England, that was supported through doctrine in the Bible that people. Well, it wasn't actually supported, but it was. Well, the the people people it. They took excerpts and tried to make it look like. That's what I mean, is they supported it. People, people went to church on Sunday and whipped Elijah Sunday afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Um, which basically comes brings us kind of full circle, despite our elevated sense of who we are spiritually and this idea of the human as the peak of civilized behavior. We are extremely violent in nature and nature has violence at its core. It's like part of the weaving of it. You know what that just uh, brought to mind, Kali? And part of what I love about that deity is she, you know, of course, the 
images of her are so graphically sort of, you'd said violent, you know, beheaded people and stepping on them and she's fierce. But I, um, there you go. There she is. What a beast. Yep. Standing on the dead body of, uh, I forget that. Shiva. Shiva. But she also, I was um, listening to a, um, a, uh, lecture by, uh, Monk Look at all the heads she's got on yeah. her. Yeah. And usually there's blood dripping from them. And, um, and he said she's also the most compassionate. So, of all the deities. So, here's this deity that brings chaos and rips things apart, breaks shit. And also, it comes from compassion. And what, in essence, like I'm going to paraphrase the fuck out of this, in essence, what he said is the natural, loving, peaceful order of things is what she's all about. And to get there, she breaks shit. I don't know, man. I'm not an expert enough about Kali to really speak well about this, but I think this idea that compassion of Kali, I think that's not real. That's, I think that's, that it's, it's no, it's that, sh- that Shiva and Shakti represent that part. And that Kali is an alien. What? I thought they represented fucking. Well, that's one way to to just kind of condense it down to one one dimensionality. I'm seeing if I can push your buttons. Tell you how to shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> tashi, tashi. <laughs> but this idea that chaos exists is part of the human experience. That this the wrath of Kali is a natural part of ourselves is an interesting thing because we want to identify with our highest aspirations. We want to cultivate that in us, which is not violent that in it. Right. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, that's an important part of our maturing as, as a culture and as a race and as a civilization and as a, a, a set of beings. Um, and so, well, you've got a, you've got Kali in your room there, you're in your sacred altar, right? So what? Well, no, she's not on my altar. Okay, well, she's there in your sacred room. Yeah. So, what drew you to having her with you? Um, <clears throat> I was working with a coach, and um. I was feeling a lot of anxiety and a fair sense of powerlessness about my life. And I was fearful of different things and what that might mean from the sense of a loss of power, right? A loss of agency. And so I was given a practice, which was, I was, I was to awaken in the middle of the night at 3 a.m., and sit with that image and just feel the depth of my fear. Just allow myself to really feel afraid and to get intimate with my fear. So isn't it interesting 
that the medication for healing the powerlessness and lack of agency in your life was the deity of break shit. And we're talking about mass shootings. And the, the core of mass shooting is a lack of agency. Right. It's wild. It is. And so I chose to have... I was able to get intimate with that aspect of her. Yeah. And to allow myself to feel all of that powerlessness and feel all of that fear and have it move through me. Yeah. Because I turned towards it. I didn't try to go like this. No, 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 I can't. I don't want to. I don't want to. No, no, no. Everything's fine. I can't do this anymore. Can't you tell? I'm dancing as fast as I can. If you don't stop, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> you, 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 and you, you're the problem. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I tell you, you're all alone on a rock like Yurtle the Turtle, King of the Mud. I think like less than half of them kill themselves after they commit mass shootings. Well, yeah, because you, you, you're like, oh. do it. well, yeah. we don't know what they're thinking when they do it. Well, I have they a gut know, feeling. Because you want to project there's some sort of sanity on them. No, see, and my feeling is that hopelessness does take over. Like you've just shot everything. Like you've climbed to the peak of your mountain where you're all powerful and taking lives. And yet, and then the reality of it dawns on you. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm still fucking. And so like, oh, my God. that It's like that bottomless pit of hopelessness yeah. wins. And yeah. you just, there is, oh, and you can't even pull the trigger. You're so. Well, if only they'd started there. Yeah, that would be, be a bunch more people. I wish they hard. woke up at three in the morning and looked at their collie image and just sat there with their hopelessness and their fucker dad in the other room yelling and screaming. And well, the other just, part of the ritual was this candle, which I had to light. And the candle says on it, face your fears, face your fears. Right. And then what is the face of fear net set your creativity free? Ooh, nice. Right? Face so your fears, set your creativity free. And there's this aspect of the cauldron of discomfort that brings yeah. forth our most powerful creativity. Yeah. Right? And so when you think of an alchemical process um, of transformation, say the butterfly, for instance, the first thing is that the caterpillar has to become completely disassembled and come apart. Before yeah, and it does be, that in the privacy of its own cocoon. Well, yeah, and it doesn't it, go out into the world and do it. <laughs> but it, it, that's not what I mean. That we we fall apart in order to. Become, what do you call that? A syphilis? No, that's a disease no. that you get from sleeping with pirates. Oh, okay. But. There's this thing about going into the dissolution of what you think you know, disassembling your whole awareness and, and structural aspect. And this is also true about what happens in psychedelics. Like we lose sight of our ego 
what we think we are, right? And I think that part of the mental illness we're talking about is how much we're clinging and identifying with some kind of like navigatable point, like, okay, this is who I am. This is how the world's supposed to be, but it's a lie. It's not, it does it's not working out that way. So my self image and the, the image of how the world's supposed to be doesn't match up. What do I do? I have to maintain control. I have to c- grasp for control and, and ultimately just allowing yourself to dissolve is that the wasn't first my experience with hallucinogenics when I first did it. I didn't have a loss of ego. I had like a ma- like life is magic. The fog is rolling in over Golden Gate Park. <clears throat> full moon's up. This person's talking to me, and I just see those big teeth going up and down. <laughs> yeah, that was your Wild. first experience. Did you ever experience a loss of ego on psychedelics? <clears throat> No, I'd say my loss of ego is what we were talking about last week when I went crazy, sold my soul to the devil and went mad. You didn't lose your ego. You sold it. <laughs> sold it. <laughs> sold my soul for rock no, and what, roll. So there was no point where you dissolved into the everything and became one with everything. That was in like that in- incident I told you about. I think I told you in second grade or fourth grade, I forget which were. I just had this feeling of total peace and I dissolved. I like, I was wild. I was crazy. It was like a, yeah. So that, you actually achieved enlightenment and then everything since then has just been <laughs> grappling with the Shempa of the, Damn it. The, the way things are around you that you hear. Like, I'm ready to go to Nirvana now. Can I please leave the exit stage left, right? It's like driving by Disneyland and someone stops and goes, hey, go look in there. And you're like, oh, that's fucking awesome. Okay, let's go to the dump now. What the fuck? (laughs) It's like waking up in Disneyland and then someone telling you you have to go home for the rest of your life. And you can. Rides over. What? I just got here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Nancy Pelosi. This is my imitation of Nancy Pelosi. Why are you projecting that on Nancy Pelosi? Because she's a bitch. I mean, I mean that very nicely. I see. <laughs> you know, I got to look at myself because lying really sets me off. So I've got something going on inside me about lying. I have yeah. not healed and made peace with. Yeah. So what? what is it about you? that you're in disapproval of that's about lying with lying. I know. Right. You know what? I just want to play Josiah right now with that fucking question. <laughs> you just want to avoid talking about it and hide Fuck in the unmitigated chaos of punk rock, <laughs> punk rock rap. You I love what? how the very end of that video, there's this little white word on a black slate that says no reggae. <laughs> I didn't notice that. That's yeah. Funny. I'm like, oh, we'll see. That's it. If we just take, um, w- you know, pre serial killers and get them to smoke a lot of weed, grow their hair, and just listen to reggae music 12 hours a day, they'll, they'll just they'll have no desire to kill people. Wasn't Bob Marley? No, he died of cancer. Yeah. It was, who was it that was shot? Um, Peter Tosh. Yeah, Peter Tosh. Well, many of reggae's right, right. Rates were were shot. 
Peter Tosh did Step and Razor, right? Yep. That's such a great song. Yeah. There's a whole thing. There's a movie called Red X, which is about Peter Tosh and specifically the circumstances around which he died. It's a really great movie. Never saw that. Yeah. It's a really interesting story about Peter. Red X. Okay. Came out in the 90s. Way back in the 90s. When I was young and potent, isn't that my when my hair fell out and yeah. my libertations got labertated? Just like one day they're going to be like, yeah, wasn't that when they used gasoline for cars? That's fucking crazy. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I, I saw a meme this week where I was cracking up. It said, the same day that the state of California Congress signed a law that said we won't be using um combustion engine anymore pg and e asked us all to stop charging our electric guitars because of the electric cars because of the strain on the grid it's like can't win humanity yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) although i did hear this morning that they have the technology to charge a car in 10 minutes and it's just not ready yet they 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 think 10 years it'll be regularly out in the world well, I think if I wanted to and I could afford it, or if we suddenly decided, all right, let's take the military budget for two years and give everybody solar roof on their houses. Yeah. yeah. Then we could charge our cars from the sun. Yeah, and our houses. And, our, yeah. and if your car doesn't get fully charged today, then you just can't go that far. You kind of have to go to the local store on your bike. You know, what's interesting is uh, recently, to keep it short, uh, my truck has been unavailable. It works fine. It's just like, anyway. And I've been walking, plus walking the dog, you know. And before I had dog duties, like, I would be like, oh, I don't have time to walk. I'm, You know, I just want to hurry, hurry, hurry. I was like, oh, fuck. You know, it's been two weeks now. This is the third week. I'm like, oh, fuck. I've got plenty of time to walk. It's so interesting, the bullshit we tell ourselves. Oh, yeah. The mind is a tricky coyote for sure. That is fucking why I'm angry. Like, that's my triggering thing. Like, I'm fucking bullshitting myself. God damn. That's it. That's it. That's why you're so angry is because you're bullshitting yourself. Yeah. Use your illusion. What do your candles say? Beat yourself. Face your fears. Face your fears. Face your fears and beat off. Wait, what? Set your creativity free. Did you drip that wax on your naked body? No, no. (laughs) I have someone who lets me do that for They let you drip wax on your naked body? them. Oh. (laughs) All right. It's consensual. All right. That's good. (laughs) Suddenly I'm reminded about. And if they don't say more, please, Daddy, I hit them with a stick. <laughs> Hit me with your rhythm stick. Hit me. Well, think you know, punk rock. That kind of came out of this whole mm. angry youth. Like fuck this sterile bullshit. That's supposed to be rock and roll, and society's just falling into this. Like yeah, yeah, that animal side of us that you know. What is it? 140 years of industrial revolution of quote civilization. We've 
we've taken that and we've pushed people into this space where it's not okay to have the full spectrum of the human experience, which includes rage and anger and dissatisfaction. And, you know, (sighs) and we have, we haven't developed as much the behavioral, psychological, spiritual things that go with dismantling that part of our survival mechanism. Right. And we're, there's 7 billion of us. And so a bunch of us are going to be not quite formed in a, in a way that's useful. <laughs> right. And what's and interesting is green. If, if when you take the American sample of 350 or 380 million people and you compare that to the sample of 7 billion and we're the society that like 26 times a year has some asshole get a gun and go shoot a bunch of people. It makes you wonder what is it about the way our society works? That's just, that's, that's poisoning ourselves because it's not just an accident. It can't be just a random thing. They're not random mass shootings. There's a thing that's happening. And most of us, I mean, taking all the guns away is a very helpful step. Right. Because it makes it a lot harder, but it's not going to actually get us to why. Check this out. I just read the quote, the full quote from Brenda Ann Spencer. Her explanation for her actions was, I don't like Mondays. This livens up the day. Right. She's bored. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Back in the 80s, there was this thing where they didn't want video games and, and rap records to inspire our children to do terrible things. So they tried to control it, right? They tried to limit it. And, you know, I way video games are now, there's a lot of people expressing themselves through first-person shooter modalities. And that's training, man. We're training our brains to get serotonin from that experience, and I think that should not be overlooked. Having people play single-person shooter, first-person shooter games, it probably contributes to this problem. I don't know. There's been – I don't know about that one. Yeah, spoken like someone who plays first-person shooter games. Yeah. Do you play Call of Duty? No, I play um, Fortnite. And do you shoot people in Fortnite? Oh, yeah. And what's the most oh, – yeah. What's the most popular game in gaming right now? Right now? Yeah. I have no idea. I would bet you $12.49 that it's Fortnite. <laughs> Minecraft. Okay. Most played and most popular games. Minecraft. Number one game in the world is Minecraft. Yep. Number two game, Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> How recent is this article? I don't know. It says 2022 on it. All right. <clears throat> well, I'm surprised Grand Theft Auto is number two. Well, I taught Minecraft to um, kids this summer. And one of the interesting things was in the context of the school, we, there was like that. We didn't let them use dynamite. 
<laughs> right? And they couldn't they couldn't get any sh- gun weapons as part of what they built. See, that's a little bit, you know. Well, have we you read to teach them how to actually build stuff? Right. Have you ever read Lord of the Flies? Yes. Boy, that kind of shows how children can be. It's so like the innocence of children. That's interesting. Because I do think of like six and seven year olds just seem to get along. As long as their basic needs are met, as long as Maslow's hierarchy is met, we're good. Right, 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 right. And then at a certain point, Maslow's hierarchy is not enough. Hmm. And that's where we need some kind of actual activation of their humanness. Because without it, they are lost in a sea of misunderstanding where violence seems like, you know, just another part of the stuff. And in reality, violence is just another part of the stuff. I mean, look at it. How many... I mean, right now there's people killing each other in probably six different places on the planet with that. And the governments have decided we're doing this. It's like we are agreeing that we need to shoot each other right now. Right. Uh, As if, and those those people are leaders. <laughs> of, uh, I love the line from um Dark Side of the Moon, <clears throat> forward he cried from the rear as, you know, the front rank died. Um, forward he cried from the rear said the admiral it's the front rank died something like that hey so I'm checking this out it says uh, most media and other entities agree that a mass shooting is four or more people so the bottom so three is not a mass shooting four so that's far under your ten Yeah. And it's based on what, you know, what ratings will, whether that will actually move the ratings needle or not. So if it's less than four people. It's not worth reporting as a mass shooting. Yeah. Because, check this out. So I'm looking on Wikipedia, the source of all truth. <laughs> but, Wikipedia? Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. That's where I go to. But here we got, you know, by continent and region, Africa, Asia, Europe, North America, South America, Oceania. So there's no one left out. And what do they say about mass shootings? Well, um, here, the motive for mass shootings is usually that they are committed by deeply disgruntled individuals who are seeking revenge for failures in school, career, romance, or life in general. Oh, so they're losers. Yeah, of course. We knew that. Well, why are we even giving them any attention? Well, the source of that angst and that uh, dissatisfaction with life is the question. And, uh, you know, on some level, it's the parents. Yep. I mean, if parents went to jail, if their kid did a mass shooting, I think that would change things. What's that uh, Oingo Boingo song about, you know, like... Johnny good boy or bad boy or oh. I don't know what what you mean I mean they are as a yet unexplored territory for me <laughs> Have you ever heard that folk song um through children's eyes Nope 
it's really good. And I think that's part of this whole thing we're talking about because it says, um, you know, like there once was a bunny, a fluffy little bunny who never learned to hop because the bunny couldn't hop it. It hangs in a butcher shop. What we're saying is, hey, Jimmy, Joe, Joe, John, Jim, Jack, like even little. Ch- so what like the mother was so protective and going, no, no, you can't do that. No, no. And and it's like um, that just reminds me of the mother from the wall, you know, like of well, course, Grimm, Grimm's fairy tales way back in the way back. They were grim. They weren't like the way yeah. we got them when we were kids. Yeah. But can you think of any Grimm's or Anderson fairy tales where the birth mother was the evil one in the scenario no neither can i no it's always the stepmom fuck you stepmoms well yeah because the stepmom's the threat to the marriage which is of course the the pillar of how roman catholicism is control society because can't have polyamory that's just not acceptable so is polyamory acceptable in your life I accept and acknowledge that it's a human state that can be very yeah, beneficial I mean, for you people, personally. Are you okay? With I that? don't personally practice it. No. Are you okay if your partner practiced it? That would not. No, because no, that would. That's. That's, that's what you mean by I don't theory. practice it. Like no, right. not for me, not for you, not for either. And I think I think any statement like that has to end with the word yet. Does that mean you want it to happen? No. Um, I just read this brilliant quote by Joni Mitchell about um, relationships and life. And I could read it or I could just give you a paraphrase. I'd rather you read it. Okay. Um, One moment, please. Yeah. Let's get the real, the true wisdom from from Joni Mamoni. You're going to get us kicked off of Facebook. Stop it. Can't you? You can hum things. Should I go back to that guitar for the end of the show? This is Joni Mitchell on monogamy. I don't know if I've learned anything yet. I did learn how to have a happy home, but I consider myself fortunate in that regard because I could have rolled right by it. Everybody has a superficial side and a deep side, but this culture doesn't place much value on depth. We don't have shamans or soothsayers, and depth isn't encouraged or understood. Surrounded by this shallow, glossy society, we develop a shallow side, too, and we become attracted to fluff. That's reflected in the fact that this culture sets up an addiction to romance based on insecurity. The uncertainty of whether or not you're truly united with the object of your obsession is the rush people get hooked on. I've seen this pattern so much in myself and my friends, and some people never get off that line. But along with developing my superficial side, I also nurtured a deeper longing. So even when I was falling into the trap of that other kind of love, I was hip to what I was doing. I recently read an article in Esquire magazine called The End of Sex that said something that struck me as very true. 
It said, if you want endless repetition, see a lot of different people. If you want infinite variety, stay with one. What happens when you date is you run all of your best moves and tell all of your best stories. And in a way, that routine is a method for falling in love with yourself over and over. You can't do that with a longtime mate because he knows all that old material. With a long relationship, things die, then are rekindled. And that shared process of rebirth deepens the love. It's hard work, though, and a lot of people run at the first sign of trouble. You're with this person, and suddenly you look like an asshole to them, or they look like an asshole to you. It's unpleasant, but if you can get through it, you get closer, and you learn a way of loving that's different from the neurotic love enshrined in movies. It's warmer and has and has more padding to it. Joni Mitchell. <laughs> Recording stopped.